Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to say, Brian. <laughs> Hiya, Brian. <Yeah>. The aged. <laughs> I doubt if that'll work with him. <laughs> no, but... Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to the Lord for what he's done in my life. My father, when he came from a family of 12, he popped into a Pentecostal meeting in his village. The preacher, he was 17, the preacher was Stephen Jeffries, who had a supernatural ministry in the category of Wicklesworth and so on, some of those great men. He sat there the first time he'd been there, sat at the back seat. Now just, just show you what if obeying the Holy Spirit does if, if you listen to him and follow what he, he says. The preacher preached, gave the altar call, people got saved, healed and everything. Then he closed the meeting and then he walked straight up to my dad, ignored everybody, just walked straight up to my dad, 70-year-old kid, and said to him, are you saved? He said, no, but I'd like to be. He got saved that night and it started a destiny of a family with my mother, a committed, totally, both of them were, their big deal was they were totally committed to Christ. That was first and last, every way. And he passed it on to the family. Today, we have nine of us who are credential pastors from just that one couple. And... My grandson has just opened a church about a year ago in America. He's got 400 already. His brother runs a youth. He's got 400 in the youth. So, you know, if you follow Bible principles, you know, God can bless you. Now, I know there are there, there ifs and buts in families, and that doesn't always happen as you want them to do. But if you stick to the principles, you'll find out how God works so wonderfully well. And this book is about principles. I uh, was written by Professor Denise Austin from our Bible College. And uh, it's their book. They get all the profits and it goes to the university they're trying to start in Australia. And so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you would ask me, see, you live your life by principles. If you live it by principles, it'll work for you. And so when I was 21, see, I was brought up in a Christian family, went to church all my life. I never rebelled. But when I was 15, I left the AOG. I thought, oh, they're dead. There was nothing for young people. And there was only three in the youth group, including Wayne Alcorn's mother. <laughs> she was... So I left and I wandered. And the salvos showed me love. I went there once and they showed love and I felt that love and I went back and I went back and I went back. Eventually I joined the salvos. They taught me to play an instrument and so I used to play, I played all of the instruments. I started with a big bass and I went through to the cornet. It's a picture of me playing my cornet in the book. <laughs> and... Uh, um, so I was a church person, went to church, you know, enjoyed church. I was soft towards God. I'd go to all altar calls and all that stuff, but I never felt him. Never once did I feel him. And at 21, 
I was going to go, can you imagine what I was? <laughs> 21, I had my motorbike mates, <laughs> and we were going to go up to Port Augusta to shoot kangaroos over Easter. <laughs> that was the plan. And uh, I got the flu, so I couldn't go. But by Sunday night, I was better. And my mum, who didn't like me going to salvas because she used to say, they don't teach the full gospel. <laughs> she nagged me about this. I said, I don't care. I, I've got my mates in the salvos and the band, and I love all that stuff. Anyhow, she said to us, look, Pastor Greenwood, he was one of the big leading pastors that time, and I remembered him with affection because he met us at the wharf when we came back from India. And she said, he's preaching. So he came along and preached, and I went to hear him. So I'm sitting there and listening to him, and he, he ends up with this blood-curdling illustration at the end. And he said, um, there was a, a, a campaign going in a town, a tent campaign, and a lot of people got saved, and the publican was getting upset because all these people were going and getting saved, and they quit, quit the pub. So he sent down his bouncer to break the meeting up, and this guy gets saved. He sent a second bloke down to break it up. He gets saved. <laughs> so he sends the third guy, and he warns. He says, this is a big shot to his bouncers. Don't you go and get saved. <laughs> he gets down there, and as he's preaching, he feels great conviction, but he's resisting it, resisting it. And so he gets up, and the public and the owner said, whatever you do, kick up the sawdust, scream and shout, whatever. So he gets up and kicks the sawdust up and screaming and shouting and trying to wreck the show. And next moment he fell flat on his face, blood came out of his mouth and he died on the spot. And then Greenwood says, that's what happened to you if you resist the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and then he said, there's someone here having your last chance. <laughs> so if you don't take it tonight, you'll never, have, you'll never come to God. It's your last chance. So a whole lot of people went forward. No, he hasn't come yet. No, he hasn't come yet. So I'm thinking, is it me? Anyhow, it's another person. So up went another bunch. No, he hasn't come yet. Oh, I said, must be me. Must be me. <laughs> so I went forward. I went forward. And um, he said, no, he hasn't come yet. <laughs> Anyhow... That the councillors came to me and, and they, one of the councillors said, what, what have you come now? You know, no one had ever asked me why have I come. Ever, I've, I went to this altar many times during my growing up years. I was soft to God, but no one ever asked me. This guy says, why have you come? I says, I want to find God. I want to feel God. The lights came on. And I began to see, and the thing he showed me <clears throat> was it's all about faith. The just shall live by faith. And of all the principles that I've got in this book, the principle of faith is the most important of any, anyone else. It's the, the, if you believe God, if you put your hand, life in his hand, and lo, how faith works. And I learned how it worked by accident. Um, I'm sure the Lord led me into it, but I didn't sort of read any book or plan it, but... Um, I was in the Salvos, still at that time, and one of the bandsmen 
There was different. I became different from that point. I was on fire for God. I'd get in the open airs and I'd preach in the open airs and they said, whoa, what's happening? Andrew, and I just was a fire in my belly as I was young. So that one of the guys said to me, he says, look, I, I got a problem. He said, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Can you come to my office where he works? So I went there uh, for the first time and we sat there and we prayed and we asked the Holy Spirit to fill us. And we felt his presence, so we decided to come back next week. Eventually, I was going every lunchtime, and we'd then we'd cry unto God, we'd beg for him to fill us with the Spirit, we'd want his power. I'd go back to work. I was a carpenter. And by the way, I wasn't a good carpenter, but gee, it helped me when I was building paradise. I understand costings and understand how, how it all works and steel and all that stuff, because I'd done that in my young years. And um, anyway, I was one day sharpening a chisel on a grindstone in, in my, at the carpenter shop. And as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's beginning to talk to me. And he's saying, one day you're going to talk to crowds. One day you're going to talk. And I said, me? I've never preached to anybody except out in the open air. And in the open air in those days, no one come. There were, the ch society had changed, but the salvos still went out in the street and preached to the trees. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, that I began to understand what was happening for this is how faith works and let's turn now to um, Hebrews chapter 11 and in this in Hebrews chapter 11 the key verse in that chapter most people never talk about it they talk faith is a substance of the things and this is faith First of all, I'll show you the power of it. The f if you have faith and you know, understand you lift yourself above the normal. Here's a ca classic case mentioned in Hebrews 11. Moses' parents, they were slaves. They brought up slaves. They had no rights of their own. There was no hope. They'd get up in the morning, they'd go and they'd be, have to work in the slaves, get just substance to live by. And... Uh, they had no rights, nothing. And then the government changed the rules and said the firstborn of every... No, the kids that are born, we're going to kill them. You felt totally helpless. And yet they've come up with a way of beating the, the band. All the other women lost their children. But these got a way to beat the band. And they discovered a plan and they worked it. And Moses ended up with an amazing story where Moses, their son, who should have been killed at three months, became the great leader. And, of, and all the, the laws of the world ever since is based on the Ten Commandments, which he received as a revelation. What did she do? That she, she got through that crisis. And so it goes on and on. If you look through them, you look at some of the ridiculous things they tried to do. You know, Mo, you think of uh, Noah. God says, build an ark. Okay. Well, here he is. There's no need, nowhere near the sea. It's never rained at that time. And for 120 years, he builds this huge ship out in the, nowhere near the ocean. How'd you do that? You get David. All the other crowd in Israel were afraid of this huge man. Here's a teenage boy. Goes out and he says, you come against me with sword and spears. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts and I'm going to cut your head off. How did he do that? What was it made him lift him above the normal? Yeah. 
And the key to Romans to Hebrews 11 is found in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him who diligently seek him. Now, when you look at this verse, the key seems to be diligent prayer. He comes to God. He believes he's God. He's a powerful, almighty God, can do anything. But if you diligently seek him, he rewards you. So what's the reward? You know, you can imagine Moses' mother and father. They know that any minute they knock on the door and the, the army would come in, the soldiers would come in and take their child and kill it. I guarantee, it doesn't say it, but I guarantee they were diligently seeking God. God, save us from this tragedy. Save us. Save our child. And they'd be diligently seeking him. The, the, the reward that God gives us if we diligently seek him, and this is what I discovered when I was 21. I'd go every lunch hour for five days a week and for a whole hour we'd cry unto God. What he gives you is the rhema of your situation. And once you've got the rhema, you can believe. See, a lot of faith is based on, you know, the scriptures, just take the scriptures and grab a scripture here and grab a scripture there. And uh, I remember traveling in, the, in a car with Yongi Cho in the back seat of a car for two hours because we were ministering and he was the main speaker and I was just one of the, the, the uh, smaller speakers. And uh, we had to fl- catch a flight out of France, but the plane strike was on, so we had to go to another airport and they took us in taxi together. And I remember saying to Cho, why, why, why can't I just grab a scripture and stand and say, this is what the word says. He says, you can do that, but he says, nothing will happen. He says, you've got to have a rhema for those things. He says, if you get a rhema, then you can believe. Now, there's nothing wrong with confessing and saying, Lord, your word says this, your word says that, and keep doing that. And often if you do that, you'll find and prayer, diligent prayer with it, you'll get the rhema. Yeah. And then you'll have faith to do the thing. But without the rhema, it's just your head knowledge. It's not real faith. Faith is a heart thing. And so uh, I've found in my life that the things that happened over the years, I always received a rhema, but it came out of diligent prayer, diligent prayer to do anything, to achieve anything. Like you take our our church building, which we mentioned earlier that uh, we had... They built the largest building in Adelaide and then they built the entertainment centre, which was bigger. But ours sought, sought maximum 4,000, generally about three. The entertainment centre now takes 8,000. So, but we got in before that was built. And uh, when I wanted to build it, did I just get up and say, I'm going to build it? Well, we were getting packed out. What are we going to do? I mean, we were having four services on the Sunday. They were queuing up. It was just amazing. And uh, so the board, we sat down, yeah, we need to get another search. So we need to build, we need to do it. And um, so we began the progress of that. And we drew up plans of what we were going to do. And the doors seemed to be opening. For instance, I went to the council and we met with six of them who were going to advise the council. And their answer to us was, no, sorry, it can't happen. Uh, we're not going to recommend it to the council. 
to my amazement, when they, I remember standing out the door at that meeting. I stand outside with our board members and said, well, if we get this through, we know it's God that's in it. The council had their meetings two weeks later. One of those guys was so convinced it was on the track, he talked all the councillors into it, and we got it through except with one opposition. So I thought, oh, that's good. I, you know, that's the indication God wants us to go ahead with it. Then uh, um, we had to get money, so we looked at the, our bank account and we worked out that we needed to borrow over a million dollars, which 1980 was a lot of money. And we looked at our budget and we were $1,000 short a week. And uh, the count, then the government, no, the bank rather, wanted guarantors to cover the funds if the thing went broke. So I put an appeal to the people. I said, people, will you guarantee us 5000 and 10000 And the bank needs your name and address and all that. So if it goes wrong, I got it in those 50-odd people that morning. So I thought, wow, God's in this project but there was one brother, he said to me, have you got a word? I said, well, no, but these, all these indicators show I'm on the right track. He says, you'll send the church broke. He says, then he, he put it this way, he says, this is not Les speaking, this is authority speaking. I said, look, Les, calm down, the, the, the rhetoric, mate, just Andrew and Les, eh? So, <laughs> what's your problem? I says, you, it, even if the whole thing crashes, the land will cover the cost. So you're wrong. But no, no, you haven't got a word. So he'd sit in church every Sunday and glare at me like this. <laughs> I'm praying for this rainbow. I, I felt we had enough things to go on to build this building. And uh, by the way, when I asked for, then I asked for people to pledge if we got $1,000... We had to get make up $1,000 every week. Who'd, who'd put an extra $5 in their tithe? That's all I asked. So much extra in your tithe and see if we can get it. But old Les was not convinced. So he'd sit there week after week and Dick Mills came through our church. Well, we'd had a number of people come through and prophesy on us. And, you know, you tend to, if you're not careful, get cynical about some of the prophecies. And so... I'm sitting there and he said, I've got a prophecy for the past. And I first thought it's a cynical. Then I thought, no. And so I said, Lord, forgive me for that. Give me a word, please. I need a word. So he gets up before the whole church. It's about buildings. <laughs> it's a, he says, go and get timber in abundance for a house you're going to build is going to be great. He says, stretch forth your stakes. And he quoted those scriptures. So I looked at old Les. <laughs> I felt like that. <laughs> but I didn't. So faith it depends. The key to faith, the key to things happening is diligently seek him. And when you diligently seek him, he'll give you that word. It comes in various ways and various forms, but you'll get that word. When you get that word, then you can start your progress of what you want to do. And so that's what Abraham did. But then when nothing happens, you have what you call the trial of your faith. <laughs> you're, you're convinced it's God, but nothing's happening. And here's poor old Abraham. <laughs> you're going to have a son and you chewed. Your seed is going to be like the stars of heaven and the sands of the seashore. But Sarah can't get pregnant. God help me. <laughs> 25 years of testing. Now, they all had the same. You think, of, you think of Noah. You think of Noah, how 
God tells him he's got to build this ark. He's got a rhema. He's got this rhema. You're going to build, you're going to build this ark. And for 120 years he's building it. And the crowd around him are thinking he's an idiot and shouting and yelling at him. But he had the rhema and he hung onto it. That is the key to come through when nothing's happening. You've got that rhema. Now, in, in Romans chapter 4, we show how Paul, how, how um, Abraham handled it. And he gave us, in verse 20 of chapter 4, he gives us the first, the three keys here to see your thing you want to have, you get, that you've got the rhema happening. When, you, when nothing's happening, this is what he did. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. No, sorry, verse 19. I'll go back. I'll come to that one next. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. God had said, you're going to have a child. He's nearly 100. And it says he refused consider the natural he had got a word and that's all that mattered and he hung on for 25 years and he refused to wave he didn't consider the natural that's very important when you get a word and nothing's happening go back to that word all the time if you look at circumstances you'll sink but you keep looking back to that word ignoring the circumstances you know, when we built our first church in Adelaide, um, I began to believe for the thing to be filled. We had 300 in the down below part, but the balcony is empty. And uh, I look at that balcony and say, pray all week and say, fill the balcony, Lord. Pray all week, nothing. Next week, nothing. Next week, nothing. I look up in that balcony, God, fill the balcony. There's new people coming in, but the deacons didn't want to go up and serve communion up the balcony, so they jammed them all in downstairs. <laughs> I used to get a bit mad with them under my breath. I think, why don't they take a few up the balcony? <laughs> but after eight months, you just have to hang in. When it's not happening, you have to hang in. And I looked up in that balcony and there were two people. They couldn't get any more jammed in downstairs. <laughs> and I said, hi, you're the first fruits. Everyone else laughed. They didn't understand what I was on about, but I knew what I was on about. It was the first fruits of me filling that balcony or God filling the balcony. We filled that four times every Sunday for months and years. God honors faith, but you can't look at the natural around you when it's not happening. That's the important part. You just got to keep your eyes on that word. You got that word. And sometimes you might like to you waver a bit, or even on receiving that word, just hang in. Make sure you've had confirmation if it's some big, really big project. And hang on, and uh, you've passed get through that phase. Um, then we find the next, phase, next step is verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, James tells us what happens if you waver. If you waver, you're a double-minded person. You're like the waves tossed to and fro. And he says, think not that that person will receive anything from the Lord. So you must not waver. 
and Abraham refused to waver. How did he keep going then? Because he kept going because he acted his faith. That's the thing that kept him going. And that's how it is all the time when nothing's happening. And uh, you, look at, you look at the circumstance, you look back to that promise. And then you feel to waver and you're reminded of that scripture. Do not waver. God keeps his promise. God keeps his word. You've got a rhema. You've diligently sought him. You've given everything to him and you've diligently sought him. You've got that rhema. Then just hold on and just act your faith. Now, a lot of people, it's easy to act their faith. I mean, David, his way of acting is faith. See, faith without action is dead. One translation puts it, faith without corresponding action is dead. So there are, when nothing's happening, you can try and do something to act your faith. That's why Jesus says, take up your bed. He was wanting them to act their faith. He says, put out your hand. He, wanted, he could have just healed them there. He didn't need any action from them. But he wanted them to be involved in an action of faith. And so you get uh, David. He, uh, he had a word. He knew he was going to be king. God, even as a young man, God uh, anointed him and told him he's going to be king. So when this Goliath came out of the, out of the uh, Philistines' camp and everyone was scared of this giant, he acted his faith and he went out. And so it was, he had something he could do. Uh, Noah, he, he, acted, he had to build the ark, and that was a huge act of faith. He had to go and cut the timber. They didn't have bunnings in those days. He'd have to go to the bush, cut it down, and ro make the, the whole thing up for 120 years. But he was acting his faith. But what's poor old Abraham do? I mean, he can have his sexual relations with his wife, but nothing happens. Year after year, she's getting older. She's 90. God, help me. <laughs> But he acted his faith, and this is the way he did it, says, giving glory and praise to God. Strengthen his faith. His faith was strengthened as he gave glory and praise to God. So this is how it would work, I can imagine. God gave him an object to, to remind him of his faith, and some, often he does that. He says, see those stars? At your seed. So at night... Nothing's happening. You look up and say, thank you, Lord. My children are going to be like this. I know Sarah's 90, but I'm praising you. You never deny your word. You keep your promises. Yes. I'm praising you. Yes. I'm believing in you. I honor you. And he praised God for the miracles that he was waiting for. Um, if he was a bit discouraged and he looked down on the sand, he'd see the sand and remind him again, your children is going to be the sands of the seashore. And he no doubt kicked up the sand and says, Praise you, Father. My children are going to be like that. He just honored and praised him. He was acting his faith by praise. And you, when you do that, what happens? You please God when he sees your faith. He's got plenty of power. His, his power is like a massive reservoir. And there's water there, he just has to turn the tap on and the power come rushing to you. He can do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. And so as you act your faith, you get that. But the key to it all is getting back to that rhema. He's a, he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And as you diligently seek him, and I discovered that as a 21-year-old, 
not knowing it, but God was beginning to give me a rumor about my future life. I'd never preached to crowds. I've ended up now preached in, in the largest church, the church in the world that is the largest church, Yongi Cho's church, 800,000. All the preachers, if you reach that, you've reached the pinnacle. Well, I've preached there five times. I don't know why he picked on me. He likes me somehow. I've never done anything. I've never paid him anything, but he gave me a bit of a write-up that I couldn't believe he on the back the book, how I've been a friend and advised him. I can't remember doing all those things. But the doors opened just magnificently. I preached in Jerusalem, the World Pentecostal Conference, where they all come from the world. God just opened up, but he could see before I could. I, I didn't see myself as anything. You know, one of the amazing things of our movement, and I give glory to Jesus Christ, but we opened up in 20 years, I was there, one church every 11 days. It's never happened in the history of Australia, of any group, before. And now they've built on that. They're not building as many churches, but the numbers are are much larger and they're building the number and we're moving forward once again. But you can't do that by natural things. We do it by faith. You do everything by faith. I mean, um, talk about praise. I'd start praising for souls on Monday after Sunday. I'd say, Lord, I'm believing for 10's decisions Sunday. I'm believing for 10. And I'd diligently seek him. And then I'd get confident. You get those words. And lo and behold, 10. And so on, it increased and increased until we finally led over 25,000 people to Christ. But we did it by faith. We opened up, I don't know how many churches now. I mean, the churches I've been involved with are young people going out. For instance, we had a young couple came to me and they said, um, we, we feel God wants us to go to Indonesia. He was an Indonesian. He'd been there and he came back, got a good job in the government. And he says, I feel God wants us to go back to eight. He said, I've got eight people I don't want to start a Bible school with. So we sent him out and his wife, they went out. They ended up by having a Bible school that was fully qualified, degreed Bible college. They taught theology and school education. So the pastors, the young pastors, go out in the villages as a school teacher and start a church out of that. That supported them. They started church. They've started about a thousand churches. Now you know, I, I you just don't know what's what's going to happen. God opens the doors, see. But it's all by faith. The just shall live by faith. One of the great statements, and I better finish. It's getting near finish time now, and I, I'm run out at any rate. But <laughs> but the two two great statements I always remember. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, magnificent preacher, and his material is amazing. At 19 years of age, he stood up in this church as a new pastor, 19, Baptist church in London. And he says, this is his first first sermon, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. And he says, by faith the walls of this church are going to be pushed back. Because the crowds are coming. Well, the deacons got to him after, and they said, "Hey, hey, you're you're a bit of an upstart, mate. You, you know, you're arrogant little character. You, I just hear the first Sunday, and you make such a wild statement. Well, he lived to see the walls push back twice during his time. 
Some Sundays he'd say to the Christians, don't come to church. We want to get all the, the outsiders in, all the lost come. And they'd, they'd just have a church full of people who are non-Christians. Faith, mighty faith. And you find another statement was by John Wesley. I remember I got this when I was in Bible school. I was, in Bible school, I was a cleaner. And I was, had one of these big things, and I'd go through his offices. And they used to have, they used to have these bunch of dates on, and every day it had a, a text or something on. So I looked at this date, and I saw these words of John Wesley. Faith, mighty faith. The promises and looks to God alone, laughs at the impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Hallelujah. God is able. And uh, I just leave that with you today. It's all about faith. But you don't get what you want without diligently seeking Him. And every time I've had a project on or whatever, I've spent time diligently seeking God, what he wants me to do, where he wants me to go, and even prayed about you, my dear Del. <laughs> Amen. Well, bless you guys. Thanks for having us. I'd like Pastor Andrew to pray a prayer of faith over us. Why don't we all stand? And I know that every one of us have faith projects, and I know God stirred my heart, and we've God's given us a vision years ago to build a thousand-seat auditorium here, and we've done two stages on the journey, and this is our next stage. And each one of us have got faith projects in your ministry, in your business, your family. And why don't you reach out and grab someone's shoulder or hand or arm, and why don't we agree in faith? I'm going to ask Pastor Andrew to pray a prayer of faith that the projects, the vision, the dreams, those things, whether you're seeing them on the, you're close to seeing them come or they're already partly come or whether they've, you've wavered and they think this is just too hard. Why don't we believe together? Pastor, and lead us in a prayer of faith that God will see everyone's faith fulfill the destiny. Thank you. Heavenly Father, oh you see these servants God. of yours, your oh children, God. and each in their hearts are a goal, a thing that they want to achieve in you. I pray in Jesus' oh, name, yes, Lord. grant their wish. Oh, Lord. I pray for this church. May the, everything be done for the new building. May the money come in, the approvals come in, may people come in, and may we see over a thousand people meeting regularly for your glory. Father, inspire the faith of the people, and may they realize all things are possible to them that believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise. Amen. Amen. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.